Galatians chapter 5. Matthew 24 and Galatians chapter 5. In Matthew 24, we're going to begin with verse 3. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And then we flip over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, we'll read the first verse and then skip down to verse 13. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. You know, remember it's Sunday, always calls to our minds how people have given their lives so that we would have freedom, freedom in our nation, freedom in our world. But I think so often we don't understand freedom, and certainly there are different levels to freedom. There's different understandings of, of freedom that we might have. But the quest for freedom, the desire for freedom is something that is very, very deep inside of us as human beings, and yet understanding what freedom is, finding freedom, living in freedom, 
can seem so elusive. Uh, but freedom is one of the key kingdom realities for us as God's people. We've been talking about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, and as Paul said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if we are in the kingdom, the spirit of the Lord is with us. So we have freedom. But what is that freedom? And does that mean that people around us don't have freedom? How do we understand all of this? I think back uh, quite a number of years ago, actually, it's when I was still in seminary. And uh, I was doing, uh, you have to do a placement as a, as a seminary student. So I was doing a placement. And your placement has to be supervised uh, by an ordained minister. And so uh, there was this lovely couple, Jack and Joan, <clears throat> And Jack and Joan had served more than 20 years as missionaries in Pakistan and then had come back to the United States and, uh, and were an extremely godly couple. And uh, in one of our supervision meetings, Jack and I were talking a bit and, and, uh, and I had shared with him, I don't know how the subject came up, uh, but I had shared that, uh, that, that uh, from time to time I, I would take a drink, you know, like some wine or I didn't like beer at all then, so it was probably mostly wine. Uh, and we got into a discussion about whether or not it was appropriate for Christians to drink, because obviously, if you're a missionary for two decades in a Muslim, dominant Muslim society, you would never touch alcohol. Uh, it's really important. And alcohol is a serious problem in the U.S. It's not viewed in quite the same ways as it's viewed uh, in culture and society here in the United Kingdom. Uh, but I was experimenting with my own sense of, of what I could do, what I couldn't do, what the Bible said, what the Bible didn't say. And, uh, and so we were having a bit of a debate whether or not it was appropriate for Christians to drink. And Jack looked at me in the eyes and said, can you stop? And I said, yes. And then he said, well, do it. So I did. I did. I, I stopped drinking, and it was several, several years before I took another drink. I'm not sure exactly how long it was before I chose to step into it. But it spoke to me a lot about freedom, what freedom is, what it means for us as Christians to be free, and how we as Christians can understand our freedom. And this is an important issue because everybody talks about freedom, but most of what people talk about freedom is really a far cry from what freedom actually is. In fact, we find in our society that there are a number of myths, false beliefs about freedom, particularly freedom outside of Christ, because that's what we're talking about in our society. For example, everybody thinks, oh, you know, as people, we are, we are born free, we're naturally free, but if you come from the perspective of naturalistic evolution, that's not theistic evolution where God guides the process, but naturalistic evolution, there's a skeleton in the closet of naturalistic evolution. And the skeleton in the closet of naturalistic evolution is that there's no such thing as human freedom. Because... If naturalistic evolution is the case, and many evolutionary biologists will make this argument, all of our responses, the choices that we make, are not made out of freedom. They've been predetermined by our biology, 
and enhanced by the nurture that we receive, but because of our nature and because of our nurture, all of our choices are somehow determined beforehand. So freedom is actually a bit of an illusion. Or there's a lot of people who say, you know, hey, I, I want to be free, I want to be me, I want to do my own thing. But then if you watch them, they're being free, they're doing their own thing, looks exactly like everybody else doing their own thing. Now sometimes I, I, I kid around with Joshua a bit, because Joshua, you know, he's, he's kind of like on, on, on the cutting edge of style, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And uh, so sometimes he comes in and he has these torn jeans, you know. And I say, you know, I, I know somebody who can fix those. I, I've got some string. I could sew those up for you. you know, and we, we joke around a lot. But you notice how so many people who say, yeah, I want to be free. I'm going to live my life the way I want to be. I, I want to be on, uh, on the leading edge. I want to be, you know, a trendsetter. They look like every other trendsetter. Joshua excluded, of course. And what is happening here, we think we're free, but actually what we're doing is just giving in to social pressure, the pressure of what people around us think is proper, is right, what looks cool, what looks great, and everybody is doing this. Even the so-called influencers are being influenced in ways that they don't understand. So there's, there's not really a freedom there. Or another idea about freedom is the lie that freedom is being able to say yes to anything you want to say yes to. But do you know, real freedom is not saying yes, real freedom is saying no. Real freedom is not being able to go whatever you, wherever you want to go and say yes to whatever you want to say yes to, it's saying no. And that was the point that Jack was trying to make and call me to in my life are you really free? If you're free, you can say no. If you're free, you can stop something. If you can't stop something, you're not free. And you might say, well, I don't want to stop. That's not the point. Whether you think you want to stop or not, if you can't say no, you're not free. Or another idea of freedom that is ever increasing which we read about there in, in Matthew 24 and Youth Connect, we talked about this earlier today, is this whole idea of lawlessness. That if I'm free, I don't have to follow rules. If I'm free, I don't have to follow guidelines. If I'm free, I don't have to really pay attention to social mores. If I'm free, I can just you know, do whatever I'd like to do. But ultimately... What Jesus said is that because lawlessness is increasing, love grows cold. And lawless people ultimately are in bondage to lovelessness and are not really free. Freedom is not lawlessness. Freedom is actually being able to live within certain boundaries and certain guidelines. Or there's another deception that all people are basically free. That we're all born free. We're all naturally free. We all yearn to be free. But this is a lie. You know, they've done research about children in playgrounds. And you know what they've discovered? That children play more freely when there's a fence around the playground. 
And if there's not a fence around the playground, children tend to be more frightened and huddle together more. Now, some of those children certainly will try to climb the fence or leap over the fence. I mean, we all do that kind of thing. But actually, the fence helps people be more free. We're not basically free. We're basically not free, and we're basically in bondage to sin. Most everybody, if left to their own, everyone left to their own devices, will choose to sin. Or there's another idea that's around today that's very, very big. It's the false hope that people can free themselves. I mean, this has been the move for a couple of hundred years in the West, actually almost 300 years in the West, you can think of things like the French Revolution that was about throwing off the shackles of tyranny. And what ended up happening? They threw off the shackles of tyranny and they got bound up by another kind of tyranny. Or the Marxist Revolution back in Russia, they threw off the czars and they got bound up by radical Stalinism. We think we can free ourselves through revolution and struggle, that if we just work hard enough, fight hard enough, it's one of the things that is going on right now in, in Hong Kong, and one of the reasons why we need to pray for Hong Kong and the people of Hong Kong, because they think that if they just struggle and they protest and they fight enough, then they'll get more freedom. But if history tells us anything, oftentimes when people struggle and protest and fight, they get, end up getting less freedom, not more freedom. People ultimately cannot free themselves. Revolution and struggle simply exchanges one form of bondage for another. Or there's the fallacy that freedom means the power to do with yourself and your life whatever you want to do. But that always ends in greater bondage. Show me a person who has been given the power to do whatever they wanted to do with their lives and I will show you the person who is in bondage perhaps in a way that they don't even understand, that they don't even realize. All of these ideas about freedom are ultimately deceptions. None of these represent what freedom is all about. We cannot free ourselves and freedom is not doing whatever we want to do. Freedom is not saying yes to whatever we want to say. Freedom is not, you know, being our own trendsetter. All of these things are lies about freedom. They're not true freedom. Freedom ultimately is something that we have to receive. Because we as human beings, as the Bible tells us, we as human beings were bound up in sin. We were born in sin. We were born into slavery. And the slavery was slavery to sin. And you might say, well, that's not fair that we're born into it, that, that we don't have any choice. But the truth is, not only are we born into it, but as soon as we have an opportunity, we choose to reinforce our own slavery. Because as soon as we have an opportunity in our lives, we choose to sin. And so we are caught up in bondage. And because we're caught up in bondage to sin, the other thing we've done is given the key to our cage to the devil. 
and we allow the world to influence us and the sinful aspect of our humanity called the flesh to influence us, and we're in bondage to all of these forces in our life and in our world, and sometimes these forces allow us to live with the illusion that we're actually in freedom even though we're in bondage. It's a bit like uh, the, the old classic British film from the 1960s, 70s, called The Prisoner. This prisoner was captured and he was set in a, in a village and he could live, li, uh, live in the village and he seemed to have a certain degree of freedom, but he also knew that ultimately he was in prison and he wasn't really free. So if this is our situation as human beings, how do we get free? Is, is freedom possible? And of course, we as Christians would answer a solid, wholehearted, yes, indeed, freedom is possible. But freedom is something that we can't work for. It's not something that we can force to come about. It's not something we can revolt and struggle to get. It's not something that we can earn. Ultimately, freedom has to be given to us. We are in chains, and ultimately, only the person who can break those chains, Jesus Christ, can set us free. And that is what we believe. That's what we saw last week when Jesus said, hey, if you believe me and you continue as my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So freedom is a gift that comes in an active relationship with Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose from the dead for us. Entering into God's kingdom. Freedom is the reality of the kingdom of God. But Jesus has to give us this freedom because Jesus is the only person who is ever truly free. Jesus lived his life 100% in freedom. When Jesus was led to the cross, remember what he said, nobody takes my life, but I give it freely. I lay it down freely. So Jesus lived in freedom. He wasn't bound to the power of sin. Jesus died in freedom. Jesus rose in freedom and broke all the bonds that held us captive and we received that freedom as a gift by grace through faith in Jesus Christ who makes us free. But this gift of freedom always keeps us bound to the giver. We can never have it apart from Christ it's not like Christ says, okay, here, I'm unlocking your jail cell. Go free and do whatever you want to do. Jesus unlocks the jail cell so that we can have a relationship with him, a union with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit where we can live our lives as our lives were meant to be lived through faith in Jesus Christ. So the truly free person always belongs to the one who freed him or her. And this becomes an alliance with the person for ever greater freedom, power, and authority. And that's what we live out is that, as the people of God. That's what we live out in relationship with Jesus. That's what we live out in the kingdom of God. And this idea of freedom not only connects us with Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but freedom connects us with one another. The biblical concept of freedom is always related to the community. Freedom is never, in the very definition 
the very root of that word, freedom is never separated from the community. Even in a secular sense, in early Greek, even in a secular sense, freedom was connected to the community in which the free person lived. Freedom was never outside of that community. And the same is true for us as Christians. Our freedom is always connected to our union with Christ Jesus and our union with one another. So there's no sense where, okay, now I'm free, so see you all later. I'm going to go and live for Jesus the way I want to live for Jesus. That's not freedom. That's returning to bondage. That's returning to slavery. And that's what Jesus was ta- uh, Paul was talking about there in Galatians chapter 5. So by grace through faith, Jesus sets us free. He sets us free from the powers of this age. He sets us free from the power of sin. He sets us free from the power of the flesh, the world, and the devil. And he sets us free from the power of death and decay. That ultimately our decaying, dying bodies do not determine our freedom or lack thereof that ultimately our freedom transcends even death itself through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is amazing good news. So it's only in Jesus that we can be genuinely free. And the genuine freedom in Christ connects us with him, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, as well as with one another. The sad truth is many Christians don't live out this freedom Because once they've been set free in Christ, they just go back to the flesh. They just go back to doing whatever they want to do. They just go back to following their own selfish desires. They just go back to to clubbing and partying and whatever, you know, takes their fancy. They don't recognize the need to live out their freedom in union with Christ and in union with other people. So what is our experience of freedom in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus? How do we live it out? How do we understand it? How do we engage in it? We need to begin by understanding who we are. As freed people in Jesus Christ, we are full and free citizens of God's kingdom. We are no longer slaves. You are not a slave to anything unless you choose to be a slave. So don't choose to be a slave. I mean, that's what Paul says. Don't do it. You are free from that sinful thing that you used to do. You don't have to sin anymore, so don't choose to sin. And if you fall into sin, get out of it. Turn away from it. Repent. Live in freedom. And because we are full and free citizens of the kingdom... We are full and free citizens who have the privilege of participating in the society of the king and working for the good of all. Our freedom gives us the the ability to share in God's kingdom advancement, to do with one another the kingdom together. We have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom to participate in this kingdom and work for good. We don't have to wait for God's permission to do good. We can simply do good. When you go to work tomorrow, if there's something good that you see to do, you don't have to say, God, should I do this good thing? You just do the good thing. 
You just walk into it because you have freedom to do that. If you see a sick person, you don't have to ask God for permission. You might have to ask them for permission, especially if they're not a Christian. But you just pray for the person. Now, the person may, may not get healed. That's okay. But you have freedom to pray for them. You have freedom to minister. You have freedom to do good. You have freedom to share life together because that's the way God has made us. And out of this freedom, we exercise self-control. It's the only biblical form of control. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your friends. You can't control what other people say. You can't control how people might try to offend you. But you can control yourself. You can control whether you choose to take offense. You can control whether you choose to sin. You can control whether you want to follow the crowd. You can control all of these things. You have self-control because you are free. And if you don't have self-control, you are not free. Goes back to what my friend Jack said. Can you stop? If you can't, then there's an issue around your freedom. And you need to deal with it because Christ has set you free. Christ has set you free. As we live out this reality, we exercise our ability to choose what is right and good in God's eyes. When you go to work tomorrow, you can choose to do what is right and good in God's eyes. Now, what is right and good? Now, the Bible tells you a lot about what's right and good. Like whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's something that's right and good. So if you're a mom tomorrow at home, then be a mom to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. If you're working in accountancy, be an accountant. Count those numbers to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. If you're in a helping profession, help other people to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. You have the freedom to choose what is right and good, so choose what is right and good. But what is right and good in God's eyes? Because remember, the world will think that there's a lot of things that are free that are not free, that are not right and good. So the world will tell you, well, okay, if you're really free, you can sleep with whomever you want to sleep with. But we know that that's not freedom, it's actually bondage. So that's why it's important to choose what's right and good in God's eyes. And as we go out, as we do in that, in our freedom, we intentionally seek to live in union and harmony with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We want to live by the Spirit, as Paul says. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? What is he doing? How is he nudging us? And seek to live in harmony with God. Seek to do what pleases God. And we can also live in union and harmony with one another. You know, as Christians, we often, we hurt each other. We, sometimes we say senseless and stupid things. And I, if I asked you how many of you have ever said something senseless or stupid that hurt somebody else, if, if you all didn't raise your hand, I would say, well, you need to repent of lying. Because it's part, of, it's part of our reality. Well, if somebody does something to you that seems kind of senseless and hurtful, you choose how you respond to it. You can choose to respond in anger, or you can choose to respond with forgiveness that will lead to union and harmony with one another. 
And every single day, every single Sunday, every single time we're together, we have to make those choices. But also, we must remember in all of this, we've been set free in Christ. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live in our freedom. We live in harmony with God. We live in harmony with one another. We make choices that are right and good. But at the same time, the Bible tells us to remember that freedom is a struggle. Staying free is not something that happens naturally. Staying free is an ongoing day-by-day commitment. It's an ongoing day-by-day struggle. If you've got a problem with lying, staying free, Christ has set you free. You can tell the truth. That's what the Bible says. But if you've had a problem with lying, every single day you're going to have to choose to tell the truth. You can't say, oh, I've been free, now it doesn't matter what I do. That's not true. You can actually fall back into bondage in any area with any sin. And so we have to remember that there is a struggle to remain free, but we can live in that struggle, and we can live in that struggle knowing that God has set us free to worship God. God has set us free to achieve all that God desires for you. Do you know that? You can achieve everything that God desires for you. And by the way, it's not about stuff that you do. It's about the person you become. And you can achieve the person that God desires you to become. And if you want help with that, ask him because, you know, he'll help you. It might hurt a bit, but he'll help you. We have freedom to live life fully in this community of the kingdom in which God has placed us. We have freedom to bring good news and bring good to the world every single day. This is what freedom is all about. And this is the gift of freedom that Jesus Christ has given us. Jesus is the means of our freedom. Through his death and resurrection, by grace, through faith, he sets us free. Living in the kingdom of God is the place of our freedom. As long as we live under God's rulership, as long as we're consciously living under God's authority, we will continue to live in freedom. And ultimately, the goal of our freedom, it's not so you can be self-actualized. It's not so that you can be all you can be. That's, uh, that's the, uh, the motto of the American Army, I think, or the Marines. I can never remember. It's not so that you get everything you want. The goal of our freedom is love. Love. So we show the love of God to a world that desperately wants to know God's love, that desperately wants to know God's freedom. If you're here and you realize that you've not been living in freedom, then you need to do something about it as we worship God. Now, it might be that you're here and you realize that you're not really free, that you've not really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, that you've not really chosen to live by God's grace in God's kingdom. If that's true for you, then today is your opportunity just to surrender your life, to say, Jesus, I come to you. Forgive me of my sin and lead my life. Set me free so that I can live for you. Some kind of prayer like that. 
is what you need to do. But you also might be a Christian here. And you might be understanding right now that you've not been choosing to live in freedom. That you recognize the struggle of freedom in your life, but you've not really engaged in the struggle. Maybe you've not lived in harmony with God, in union and harmony with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe you've not lived in union and harmony with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Maybe you realize you're a citizen of the kingdom, but you've been living like a citizen of the world, doing the things your worldly friends have done around you. If any of those things are true for you, then as we worship God, you need to do business with God. As we worship God, you need to deal with this seriously. And the way you deal with any area in which you've given up your freedom or any area where you've been in bondage is through repentance. Where you come before the Lord and you say, Father, I confess that I have done this, that I have given up my freedom to do these things that displease you. It was sin and now I turn away from it. I want to follow you, choose your ways, and I ask you to break any chains that are over my life. And I encourage you to do business with the Lord today. Uh, we're going to be singing a song, Break Every Chain. It's a great opportunity to do that. And I would even encourage you to make some kind of movement. You know what we often do? We often try to deal with these things, just kind of, we just kind of bow down a little bit and hope nobody sees us. But if this characterizes you today, then do something about it. Maybe you'll come to the front pew and you'll sit here or you'll kneel and pray or to the front steps and you'll kneel and pray. But take an action that demonstrates, God, I want to do business with this. I want to repent of that's what's held me in bondage and I want to walk in freedom. I encourage you to do that because the gift of freedom is ours by virtue of the fact that we live for Jesus, that we're in his kingdom. So receive that gift today. Father God, thank you so much. I pray, Father, that you just move in our hearts and our minds, and, and I pray, Father, that you'd bring conviction to us for any area in which we've been living in bondage, not in freedom, where we have not engaged in the struggle for freedom, but instead have capitulated to the bondage of some area of sin in our lives. And I pray, Father, that as we worship, that by your Holy Spirit, you would show us what we need to do. Show us how we need to respond to you to experience the freedom fully that you offer us in Christ Jesus. For we pray all this in his name. Amen.